This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Today on the show, I'm super, super excited to be talking about the Indigenous Embassy of Jerusalem, which just opened this month, at the beginning of this month, at a wonderful opening ceremony. But this has been in the works for a very, very long time. And it's incredibly significant that Indigenous people around the world coming together to open this embassy in Jerusalem, a very sacred place and a place that is just so significant. And especially in what we see happening right now in the world at large. And I'm joined by Dr. Sherry Trotter. Now, she is the director of the Indigenous Embassy in Jerusalem. She earned a PhD in history from the University of Auckland and her thesis was on Zionism in New Zealand to 1948. She also co-founded the Holocaust and Anti-Semitism Foundation for whom she has interviewed 70 Holocaust survivors alongside her husband Perry who is a photographer and uh, she also completed the Institute for the Global Study of Anti-Semitism and Policy Scholars in Residence course in Oxford University in 2023 and she is Maori and uh, she is just an incredible human being who has been so part of this development of this indigenous embassy. Now, some of you may have seen some of the news articles about this, and I really hope that you have, because it's a very, very significant moment that took place. And I also want to say that we had Regent Sam Thomas in Jerusalem at the opening, which is really cool, leader of the Khoi people of Southern Africa. And he spoke, and I'm going to share some of the words that he spoke at the opening ceremony. He has been very upfront and very honest about his feelings and lots of videos on social media as well. And uh, lots of videos shared by Bridges for Peace, uh, interviewing him as well, and him just speaking at such a significant time in our history. So what is this all about? Why an indigenous embassy? Why in Jerusalem? Why showing love for Israel? Why is this important? It's all going to be answered on the show today. It's so exciting. If you have a heart to know and understand more about the history of the people living in Israel right now, we are also hearing a lot about false narratives that the Jewish people in Israel right now aren't indigenous to the land and uh, aren't supposed to be there. They came from Europe. What is happening? There are a lot of false information going on around and social media, a lack of historical understanding. We're going to be answering quite a lot of this during the interview today. So stay tuned because Dr. Sherry is with me after this. I'm really, really looking forward to my conversation today. It's one that I've been wanting to have for quite a while with Dr. Sherry. And I'm so happy that she's joining me uh, it's morning time there by her now, uh, you know, across the world. So and it's so lovely to be together, Sherry. Thank you so much for taking time out of your really busy schedule that I know that you have and the things that you have going on to talk to us today about the first ever Indigenous Embassy in Jerusalem. Uh, incredibly special. Before we get to that, welcome to the show today. Oh, thanks so much. It's great to be here. Now, I, I want to know, of course, uh, I hope that people have heard about the first ever Indigenous embassy in Jerusalem. I saw it going around on social media. People that I know personally were sharing about it as well. 
I had read about it right at the beginning. And I'd love, you know, for us to just get into what exactly is the Indigenous Embassy. It is, of course, the 100th embassy that's been opened in the 50th in Jerusalem itself and not in Tel Aviv, in Jerusalem, a very sacred, sacred place for so many. And I'd love to know from you, this has been quite a long time in the works. Uh, This wasn't something that happened overnight. So I'd love to know, what is the Indigenous Embassy? How was it birthed and how did it come about? Uh, Also really in your heart, in your mind as well. And what is the purpose of it really? Okay. Well, I started, um, first of all, I'll I'll tell you about the Indigenous Coalition for Mm -hmm. Israel, which I started in 2021. And I set that that up, I live in New Zealand, uh, and I set that up to provide a platform for uh, Indigenous, uh, for Maori voices to to be able to stand publicly with with Israel. And Mm -hmm. and part of the reason that is that I could see that there was this very strong uh, kind of um, attack coming against Israel from some Indigenous activists and leaders. And they were very loud, you know, they they Mm -hmm. get the news media. And, and so I set up the Indigenous Coalition uh, in 2021 for that reason. And uh, one of our goals, I mean, we have a number of goals around education, around advocacy, around making connections of Indigenous people with Israel. And, and one of the goals was to set up an Indigenous embassy to be that tangible expression of what we desire to do. Mm. And in one sense, you know, this has been a long time in the works for Indigenous peoples in the sense that there have been a lot of Indigenous peoples who have desired this, who have wanted this, who have worked towards it in the past. I know that there was an Indigenous peoples group in the 1990s, early 2000s that uh, were really focused on this goal and intent on trying to establish something, but it didn't happen at that time. Uh, and I had the honour to be part of the initiation, initiation and establishment of this embassy, mm. uh, which came about after a, a trip that I took to Israel last year. I'd just been to Oxford University, where I had attended a scholars in residence with ISGAP, which is the Institute for the Study of Global Antisemitism and Policy, mm-hmm. and uh, then to Israel and met with uh, the um, the uh, the deputy mayor, Fleur Hassan Nahum, and I presented to her this idea of the embassy and, and the way this could be a, a really um, important way to push back against this Palestinian narrative, which is so dominant. Mm. Uh, and she got the vision straight away. And then a month later, some of my colleagues were also in Israel for a um, conference, actually. And the timing was interesting because the war had just broken out. And the war actually broke out as they were traveling to Israel. So they actually stopped Dubai and had to make the decision, do we carry on or do we turn back? And so a group of them carried on for this um, conference in Israel. And they also had the opportunity to meet with Deputy Mayor. Uh, and she was um, so excited that she announced there and then the intention mm-hmm. to establish an Indigenous embassy in Jerusalem. And so from that time of October, you know, we it was a matter of exchanging emails back and forth, having various conversations. And 
Uh, and Deputy Mayor Fleur was very keen to um, have an inaugural event as quickly as possible in order that we could really make the statement during the time of war that there are Indigenous peoples around the world who stand with Israel. And so the opening event was pushed forward to the 1st of February, which we had, and it mm. was a wonderful success. And so that's kind of the timeline of, of how it came about. Mm. I love this. It's it's absolutely so beautiful. I've looked at some of the pictures of the opening and tell us a bit about that, the opening ceremony. And I'm also going to obviously touch on the leader of the Khoi Kingdom of Southern Africa, Regent Thomas, who was there and who spoke as well. And uh, I will get to that during the course of our interview. But uh, a little bit about this opening ceremony for those who maybe haven't seen the pictures. It it really, even the pictures, even reading about it is incredibly moving to me. And uh, tell us a bit about that opening ceremony. Obviously now, like you've said as well, this is a very significant time, a very, very significant time as the war continues, as anti-Semitism is consistently being something that is growing every single day. And I must tell you, Sherry, even from my own perspective, I posted something about the opening of this Indigenous embassy and I actually got a number of uh, threats against my life on social media, which I had to actually report. And I wasn't the only one. Um, and I have friends and colleagues who have been widely um, attacked and threatened because of the rise of anti-Semitism. And even individuals who aren't even Jewish who are maybe Christian or maybe even non-religious getting and receiving similar threats. So we know anti-Semitism is highly on the rise, and I know you have deep insight into that. But before we do talk about that and touch on that, the opening ceremony seemed so incredibly beautiful. And uh, how was that experience for you and bringing together so many Indigenous leaders from around the world coming together for this opening, it just looks amazing. Ah, oh, it was beyond all our expectations. The opening event was incredible. And, uh, you know, the unique thing that happened, and firstly, you know, a friend of mine said to me, oh, she was expecting this to be a, a stuffy, formal, you, you know, stage mm -hmm. event. <laughs> it was in but, and so they had, uh, the organisers had had organised this band, wonderful band, the Solomon Brothers, to to play. And as they play the music, the Indigenous peoples, of course, got up and started playing their drums and dancing mm -hmm. along to it. And uh, as they did that, <clears throat> those in the room, <coughs> the Israelis and, other, and the Jewish people, came and joined in. And it turned into this beautiful celebration together because the whole purpose of the um, evening was for us as Indigenous peoples to <coughs> sorry mm -hmm. to come yeah. and stand with, show our support and to give our messages of solidarity and support, to explain why we love Israel, why we care about Israel. And 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 that's what you know all the speeches were about. Mm. And it was such a heart to receive that, you know, the Israelis just received those messages of love. And I think it was so needed for them at this time when, as you say, they are being hated, not only the Israelis, but Jewish people. And mm. I see it in my own community that our Jewish people are subject to such hate. And it's it's awful to see. It's, it's such a worry. Mm. 
It is awful to see it. And, and like you said, it is, it is a worry. And at that opening ceremony, I do want to read uh, the words that the leader of the Koi Kingdom of Southern Africa delivered. And I know that it was quite, the, the crowd really did give their approval and so many words of support we know sitting in South Africa. Uh, it was quite, uh, it's, it's been quite something. Uh, it's been quite interesting, but uh, he gave an amazing message and he, he also said that he wanted to apologize, and this is directly from him, to the people of Israel for the horrible things that the South African government done and he expressed uh, how sorry he was and also that the government does not represent all the Khoi people of South Africa, all the people and that, uh, you know, he expressed that anybody who says that Israel isn't indigenous doesn't know what they're talking about. If Israel isn't indigenous, there's no indigenous nation on the earth. And uh, his words that's directly from him uh, carry significant weight considering that there is this this hard relationship happening now uh, between, you know, Jerusalem, between the the leadership in South Africa, and his voice very strong, especially for the the Khoi Kingdom of South Africa as our First Nations people. And so, you know, did you find that moment as well very a key moment? I know that you know him, and I'm sure that his words were met with uh, with great emotion. I'm sure, because given the timeline of these events, of everything that we are seeing, uh, it was quite seemed quite significant as well. Yes, absolutely. His words were very significant. And I have to say it was such an honour and a privilege to meet uh, Regent Khami and his high commissioners who were with him, um, Sean and Nicholas. And as, as a group of Indigenous peoples, we spent time together in the lead up to the event and afterwards. And there was such a wonderful unity between us. And so it was such a pleasure to get to know the South African um, contingent while we were there. Mm. But yes, those words were very timely and, of course, well received uh, by the audience and by Israel. And I think they're words that need to be amplified because, you know what, I think a lot of the hate that we're hearing, I'm I'm sure that it's a minority that drives it. Mm. I, I think there's a lot of even here in New Zealand, who who are actually supporting Israel, but they don't know how to show it or they're too scared to show it. Mm. And, you know, we have, I, I see small examples. For example, we had a uh, Jerusalem cafe here that was being targeted by a pro-Palestinian group just in, on social media, online. Mm. And uh, so with, with my social media um, platform with the Indigenous Coalition for Israel, I just put out a post there, go and show them some love. They're being targeted. And mm. so many people went on and, and liked and gave comments and even went to their cafe and reached out to them. And the next day, you, the cafe put out a post thanking everybody for the outpouring of love and support mm. for them. This is an Israeli couple that have been in the community for about 22 years. They've, they're well-respected, well-liked. They have a wonderful cafe there. And, you know, the, their community are supporting them. Um, mm. But this is the thing that we're seeing happening. And, of course, so much of it is driven by social media. And we see this, mm. that young people are being targeted on Instagram, on TikTok, with these these very simplistic messages that have no historical backing, no understanding of ge geopolitics of the region. Yeah. Young people don't know any different, but you know, to be a, a part of the acceptable crowd these days, you've got to be 
pro-Palestinian without mm. even not understanding anything about it. And we've seen this very well-organised um, campaign right from the beginning of the war that has just targeted young people. And, yeah, it's it's been quite a worry. Mm. It has been quite a worry. And I know myself, uh, like I said earlier on, uh, receiving threats against me and, and obviously having to then take you know, a precaution around this and it coming from young people in in, in a community close by. And it, it's just interesting how this is the case and social media definitely being used as a vehicle. And it's an easy vehicle to hide behind as well. You know, people can hide behind social media and a keyboard and not really reveal who they really are, but just keep going and, and making these videos and statements and attacking people or threatening or intimidating, harassing, and we see this on social media. One of the things that has been good, though, is is how people have started connecting together through social media. I've met so many wonderful fellow Jewish people and Je- Jewish women who have felt afraid, and we've been able to connect together and form greater community, you know, off of social media. So it's, it really has also been a way to you know, connect, but the anti-Semitism and the the information that's being shared that's not correct information, not proper information or education is not a good thing. And, and it is something that we are going to touch on. I want to talk to you about this, Sherry, further on as well as we see this rise of anti-Semitism because it's important for us to to realize what is happening. We're going to take a really quick song break, though, but I don't want you to go anywhere as my listeners because Sherry and I are still together after this and we're having such a great conversation, not only about the Indigenous Embassy in Jerusalem, the opening and the, the, the joy that came with that, but we're also going to go a little bit further into what we see happening right now and why we love Israel and you know how we can continue to support the Jewish people. So stay tuned and we'll see you after this. Now with me, Lauren Jacobs, on Voice of Change today. Welcome to the show. I hope that you've been with me from the very, very beginning. It's uh, been so lovely to have Sherry Trotter all the way from New Zealand joining me today, having been touching on the first ever Indigenous embassy in Jerusalem to open, I think it's very significant, the 100th one embassy that's been opened, the 50th in Jerusalem, and uh, in such a holy city, such a beautiful beautiful place it's so incredible now sherry i also wanted to ask you a a big thing that we are hearing right now uh, that we hear on social media that uh, is a narrative we are hearing is that the jewish people in israel right now are not native to the land of israel they are colonial settlers Uh, they don't belong there this is not their indigenous land they are not indigenous to the land. And this is something that we hear quite a lot of, and it's a big argument that's made against what is happening right now. How do we begin to understand that kind of narrative? Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, just firstly, I want to say um, it's not the 50th embassy in Jerusalem, it's the 15th, 5th embassy in Jerusalem and the 100th in Israel. The 5th? Um, the fifth one, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, just a small correction. Uh, but yes, this is what the uh, narrative has been that has that we've been bombarded with that that mm. the Jews, are foreign colonists that have come, they've dispossessed the indigenous Palestinians, and of course that's quite 
false, as most of us here will know that uh, this is the land of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and uh, the Jews have been, had a presence there for more than three and a half thousand years. And when we're thinking about indigeneity, what is an indigenous person? Uh, well, an indigenous person to a particular land, it's a particular people connected to a particular land, and the indigenous land is the place where uh, the unique culture of a people group has developed, you know, mm. the culture, the language, the uh, literature, the religious practices, uh, they all developed the ethnogenesis took place in a particular land. And so for the Jewish people, that land is Judea, Samaria, mm. and they had a continuous presence, even though they were expelled by colonizers and, and dispossessed of their land, they were, they still remain there uh, a remnant of of Jewish people continuously throughout the centuries. And I think it's helpful for people to understand uh, a bit more clearly what indigeneity is. And of course, this whole narrative around uh, Palestinians being indigenous is, is just false. I, I mean, the, the Arabs, they're indigenous to Arabia. They come from the surrounding countries. Uh, some of them have been in that particular piece of land for a few generations. And so they do have a presence there, a long-standing presence, but that doesn't make them Indigenous to that particular land. Uh, and so, you know, we've been hearing this false narrative just repeated over and over again without really um, any historical backing for it or historical evidence. Mm -hmm. uh, people need to understand that in the 19th century, that Palestine itself was was a backwater of the Ottoman um, Empire. It it had no uh, clear geographical boundaries. It was an administrative district that was uh, run from Syria. Actually, uh, when travelers went there, they wrote about it being a, a sort of a long forgotten, deserted part mm. of the Ottoman Empire, and. It really, as the Jewish people started to return in the, in the late 19th century, which was really happening as a result of the anti-Semitism they were yeah. experiencing in Russia and East Europe, uh, and as they started to settle and um, build, uh, well, restore the land, then a lot of the there was a lot of immigration from surrounding Arab nations, and the Arab population increased as well. So you know, there's there's a lot of um, lies being spoken about the history, which is just just incorrect. Mm. This is important information that you're sharing as well. My great-grandfather came over to South Africa escaping religious persecution as a Jewish person and settled here. That's how my family got here. So it's always been the case of moving. The Jewish people have often been very much on the move because of this religious persecution. And it's uh, it's very interesting, like you said, to be sharing correct information correct historical information as well. Again, we need mm -hmm. to know the facts. And and is this part of what the Indigenous Embassy in Jerusalem is going to be doing um, from here on? Is it going to be a place that people are going to come and visit, uh, you know, even people who love Israel, uh, tourists, and people who are seeking for for more clarity, more understanding, uh, maybe, you know, some education? Will it be a place that will be open for people to be able to do that in the future? Yes, that's what we envis 
envisage for the future is that we will have a, a place which will be an information hub, which we can have exhibitions, where we can educate, where we can tell the story of Indigenous friendship uh, with Israel and, uh, you know, a place of welcome for people to come. Uh, and we envisage it will be a tourist attraction. Of course, all of that is ahead of us. That, mm -hmm. That's our goal. We're not quite there yet. We've had <laughs> our opening which was wonderful, but there's a lot of work to do, you know, to to achieve our ultimate goals. Uh, but we've made a good start. <laughs> mm. No, absolutely. And uh, I, I wanted to also know, just out of curiosity, how many, uh, this is just a, a question I have in curious, how did you get uh, Indigenous people from around the world to, was it, I mean, you had a good uh, foundation already, having connected to many indigenous groups around the world, but how did you get them to, did they all, did everyone just seem to have the same vision of opening this embassy or were people just like, yes, this is something we need to do? How did you get that kind of like what we would call a buy-in and a celebration of just coming together and going, this is what we want to do. And just indigenous people connecting around the world because so many different countries represented at the opening ceremony and really just coming together I think that must have been quite beautiful really uh, but how did you get everybody to kind of get on the same page with this was it was it just an organic thing that happened uh, and it's just something that I'm curious about well we have we have a strong network uh, of people in our region in the South Pacific from mm -hmm. Taiwan across to Hawaii. So down here we have this strong network of peoples who've been going uh, to Israel for conferences of our indigenous groups. And of course, we've got that connection with uh, with Israel as well. So our, yeah. our contact there had the network, has the international network, you know, with South Africans and with Native Canadians, Native Americans. Uh, and so because there was a network in place already, it was quite easy to just let them know what's happening, get their their support, their buy-in. The initial event was was quite a small, actually. The indigenous represent, representation was small because we mm. wanted to do it quickly. But the plan yeah. is to have a much much bigger event uh, later in the year mm. after spot, and so we expect to have lots of indigenous peoples come up to the land at that stage, and we'll have a much bigger event then. But mm. it wasn't difficult at all because you know. It, People were just enthusiastic about the idea yeah. and on board. Mm -hmm. That's so lovely to hear that. And Sherry, I wanted to ask you personally, you've been around for around the issue of anti-Semitism for a long time. You know, it's it's amazing, like you said, at the opening ceremony and also people coming together going, this is why we love Israel. And for you personally, what is it? What is it that you love so much about Israel and the Jewish people that you are and have been doing this work for a long time and showing the Jewish people and Israel the support that is so desperately needed in our time? As we keep on saying and hearing, and it's true, we had the Holocaust that happened in World War Two. What we saw on October seventh was two. Our modern day and definitely to Israelis and Jewish people around the world, the second Holocaust, the the greatest, you know, mass killing of Jewish people in one moment, in one day, in one time and place since 
we have had the Holocaust and 16 million Jewish people were killed. This is this is the reality. The Jewish people need to know that we care about them, need to know that they have that support. What is it that moves your heart so filled with the love for Israel and the Jewish people? Uh, well, a good question. Yes, my husband and I, my husband Perry and I, we're Christians, and mm-hmm. so that's where it starts with our understanding of the scriptures and what it's what they say about Israel and uh, God's covenants with Israel. And we've been on this journey for thirty years or so of learning and, wow. you know, just being involved with the land and with the people. And uh, one of the things we we've done is set up the Holocaust and Anti-Semitism Foundation, which started out with interviews with Holocaust survivors and my peri, uh, my peri he is my peri, but my <laughs> husband, my husband's a, a photographer. Uh, so we photographed and interviewed survivors. We've interviewed over the years, um, 70 survivors. And oh. uh, so that was one of the projects that we've worked on. And I've been involved for a number of years in, in advocacy. I did my PhD thesis in New Zealand on um, Zionism in New Zealand. So we've been involved in lots of different ways with the Jewish community and with Israel. And really it's born out of our understanding of uh, of the scriptures and, uh, understand, you know, the, yeah. the God, worshiping the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. It's a, it's a flow on from that really. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, we've been involved in a number of things. We hosted Israeli travelers for a number of years. And uh, for me, that was a key part of actually getting to know Israel and Israelis and how they think. And uh, I just loved loved that time. I loved these young people who came into our home and, mm. you know, they were so energetic and intelligent, so mature as young people having, you know, finished army service and carried that weight upon their shoulders, such admiration for them. Mm. Uh, so yeah, that's that's where it started, and and that that's what sustains us as well. Mm. Oh, Sherry, uh, I'm so grateful that you shared that with us as well. And as as you're speaking to a Christian audience listening, I know that the Christian people in South Africa have been incredibly busy, and incredibly busy in in prayer, uh, holding prayer meetings around the country. Um, communities coming together to support Israel and particularly in Cape Town. It's a very precarious situation uh, that we've had in in Cape Town. You know, there's many reasons for this, but it's important that Christians know that, you know, it's a, it's, you spoke earlier on about people do support Israel, but often they're silent. We often talk about that silent majority. And uh, so the Christian community I know are very supportive of Israel. Many of them right now are paying the price for that, uh, which is a topic for another conversation. But it is great to hear what you said about understanding the scriptures, understanding God's covenant with Israel and and God's love for his people. And I would love to end this off by asking you, what your message would be today to Christians who love Israel, supporting Israel, uh, finding it difficult at this time as anti-Semitism rises, as maybe they're losing a lot of uh, family members. I know people losing family members because they support Israel and their family members don't. And, you know, there's so many different uh, misinformation that's going on. What would your 
advice be and your words of encouragement be to Christians listening uh, right now who are saying, I I love Israel. I don't know what to do. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to take part in something or help somewhere, but I want to stand firm even though it is difficult at this time. Mm. Well, I would encourage them to be prayerful, keep keep praying uh, for wisdom as to what they can do, as well as praying for Israel and praying for your own country. Prayer is very important. I think it should undergird everything that we do. Mm. I would also say this is not a time to be silent, and a lot of people are comparing these days to the 1930s, and yeah. we've often thought what we have done in the 1930s mm. And conversely, I have Jewish friends who are thinking about the 1930s and, and saying to themselves, at what point should should um, did the German Jews decide they needed to leave? And they're thinking, at what point do we need to decide? And a young woman, friend of my Jewish friend of mine, said she's got her bags packed because at the moment she feels that the police are not protecting them, the government's not wow. listening to them. And so we are in these serious times and this is not a time to be silent. It is a time of shaking. It is a time of division. But I think it's time to stand on the right side, to stand on God's side of this story. And, uh, yeah, be brave. Be mm. brave. Be mm. courageous. Mm. Amen. I want to say amen to that. I, I agree with you. A lot of of uh, people here in South Africa, especially the Jewish people, have also expressed the same thing. Um, I do get messages sometimes, this particular area where uh, pro-Palestinian supporters like to gather, and it's a Jewish area in Cape Town, and they like to gather there and, and chant, and sometimes I get messages from Jewish people I know who say, I I'm absolutely terrified in my home. Uh, and and that's sad. And then they, they are also asking... You know, my bags are packed. When is it time for me to leave? One of the things I said to my husband in December was exactly that, exactly what you expressed. It's almost like we could be living in the same country. As I said to him, uh, if I was in 1930s, what is it that I would have done? You know, uh, and I used to take people through our Holocaust Museum here, Christians through there to, to, to speak about what happened in the Holocaust. And you have that feeling in your heart of going, if this was 1930s, in Germany, what would I have done? It's easy for us to look back in the history books and, and read about the Holocaust and go, oh, wow, I would have done this, or oh, wow, I would have done that. That's just theory because we can really easily say that because we're looking back. But now when we see things happening in our time and in our generation, we are called to do something. So it's no longer looking back in theory what I would have done. It's now asking ourselves, what am I supposed to do in this time? And like you said as well, we need to be brave and it's not time to be silent. And Sherry, I want to say thank you so much for spending time with me today and for this amazing work that you are doing, that you and your family are doing, and also for incredible people around the world coming together and all the best for the Indigenous Embassy in Jerusalem, which I do hope to visit someday soon. And uh, just thank you so much for all this incredible work. And I just pray that God will continue to bless you and keep all of you safe and in his shalom. And yeah, just thank you so much for everything that you are doing. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure to speak with you uh, this morning. And I would just encourage people to look at our website, indigenousembassy.org, and sign up to our newsletter to follow what we're doing there.
Mm, that, that's a great thing. I'm going to go on over and sign up to that newsletter straight after our interview because I want to stay you know, up to date with what's happening. So Sherry, thank you so, so much. Take care. Have an amazing rest of the day. I know your day is just actually getting started. So have an amazing rest of the day and thank you so much. Thank you. I hope that we've answered quite a few of the questions that you've had about the Indigenous Embassy. So exciting. And yes, an apology on the fact that this is the fifth embassy opening Jerusalem. I, in fact, researched this quite a lot. And uh, in a number of articles, it has said 50th embassy opening Jerusalem. That is why proper journalism is so important. And that is why Voice of Change exists, to bring you these kind of conversations I remember a couple of years ago interviewing Anne-Renee Veyers. And uh, if you know Anne-Renee, she is just incredible. A Paralympic athlete who won gold so many times in so many different Olympics. I mean, we were in studio together. We were discussing things. I asked her, is this true? Is this true? Is this true? Because when I did research on it, there were all these stats and conversations and, and things going around. And actually, a lot of what was on the internet about Anne-Renee was not true. And it was so cool to have her in studio uncovering those things and I'll actually never forget that moment even that happened in 2019 because it was there where I say to her and Renee this is why it's so important for proper journalists to do on point interviews like this so I'm so grateful to have had Sherry with me today to cut open why the Indigenous Embassy is so important and also for you to get excited about the fact that you can sign up to the newsletter, please do. I know that a lot of people, many, many South Africans and people around the world, go to Jerusalem, go to Israel during the Feast of Sukkot. And I wonder what that is going to look like this year, where we are going to be, you know, in with regards to the conflict happening in Israel right now at that time of year. But I know that people begin to make plans for Sukkot already. So go on over to their website and sign up for the newsletter. Perhaps you will want to be there celebrating with the Indigenous people. Even you listening could be part of that group and saying, wow, I am so interested in this. It is so fascinating. There's a lot going on in the world right now and a lot of good going on. So let's take Sherry's words to heart. Be brave. And as the Bible says, be strong be courageous the words that God gave to Joshua be strong be courageous for I will be with you wherever you go I will not fail you I will not abandon you I will not forsake you only be strong and be courageous God continues to tell Joshua be strong and be courageous because he knew the work that Joshua had to do and what was lying ahead of him how he would lead the people into the promised land and it would be through really really tough moments tough battles was going to require strength and bravery we can choose to be courageous as i shared with sherry and as i know a lot of people have shared with me it is a time where we've needed to be brave and to be courageous lives threatened intimidation harassment happened and uh, not just for me but to a number of my friends and a number of people that i even work with we are seeing this. It is heating up. Perhaps you have experienced it. But God says that he is always with us. 
our Messiah is always with us. He loves us and we want to be on his side, on the side of truth, because he will never let the righteous be shaken. Take that to heart today as we end. Voice of Change has been so great to be with you. And guess what? You know, next week I'm going to have Tracy Balzer back on the show with me. You loved our talk about Celtic Christianity, but there's so much more that we want to get into so much more that we want to talk about when it comes to the presence of God. So she's going to be joining me next week again on Voice of Change. Cannot wait. See you then. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.